Hello, sports enthusiasts, and welcome back to the Toy Olympics Weekly Update. I am the producer, Olympian1010, here along with my co-host, Voitas, and our fellow contributors, MRV86 and Olympics IRL, to bring you some quick updates from this week's international sporting action. Before we begin, I'd like to say a few reminders. For those of you who registered on the Toy Olympics form, do not forget to sign in and participate in this week's prediction contests. I would also like to remind our listeners of the special coverage of the 2019 African Beach Games that was published yesterday. And finally, I would like to announce that we will be providing daily highlights, information, and results from the 2019 European Games beginning this week. Now that I am done with the advertising for this week, let's move into this week's events. This week saw a substantial amount of world football events. The most important action of the week was found at the 2019 FIFA Men's U20 World Cup. This week began with the semifinal round. The first semifinal saw a tight game between Italy and Ukraine. The final score of the match was 1-0 in favor of Ukraine, meaning that Ukraine would advance the championship match. The second semifinal saw a similar scoreline with the Republic of Korea defeating Ecuador 1-0 to advance to the championship match. Before the championship match could be held, the third place match took center stage. The honor of being the third place team at the 2019 FIFA Men's U20 World Cup went to Ecuador, who beat Italy 1-0 in extra time. The championship match saw a Eurasian battle between Ukraine and the Republic of Korea. The Republic of Korea was the first team to score a goal, scoring, the f- into, scoring in the first five minutes of the game. This trend did not continue as Ukraine came back to score three goals and win the World Cup. This was Ukraine's first FIFA World Cup win at any age, level, or gender. The football action this week continued with the continuation of the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup. The main story of the week was the United States-Thailand draw that saw a new World Cup record for the most goals scored. The U.S. beat Thailand by a brutal 13 goals and drew both international acclaim and criticism for their dominating victory. This week's segment of the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup was shortened to allow for more recordings for our special coverage. We will bring you a much fuller update in the following week. Hello again, this is Roman aka MRB86, bringing you some insights about competitions that began this week. The 16th edition of CONCACAF's World Cup started this weekend. Among the novelties of this edition is the expansion from 12 to 16 teams, 10 of which qualified through CONCACAF's Nations League. This helped a couple of them to make their debut in the tournament, namely Bermuda's Gombey Warriors and Guyana's Golden Jaguars. The remaining six spots were reserved to the participants of the final hexagonal for 2018 FIFA's World Cup, among which Mexico and defending champions USA have never failed to appear. Both teams are also the top contenders to be in the final match a feat that hasn't been repeated since 2011. This year's tournament will also be the first time in which the main round of will be played outside North, North American soil, sorry, with Costa Rica and Jamaica sharing hosting duties of a couple of matches of groups B and, and C, respectively. In the opening day of the competition, the crowd at Pasadena's Rose Bowl witnessed Canada beat Martinique 4-0, showing the Canucks can reach the next stage and from then advance to semifinals for the first time in 12 years.
the next match saw L3 renovated since Gerardo Martino took charge of the team, take an easy win against Cuba, seven goals to zero, with LA Galaxy's midfielder Uriel Antuna scoring a hat-trick at his first international tournament with the Mexican senior team. North America is not the only part of the continent enjoying football right now. Brazil is hosting this year's edition of the Copa America, which started last Friday. As has been the tradition since the early 90s, the tournament features every South American national team plus two guests, which this year are Japan, returning for the first time in 20 years, and Qatar, which is the only newcomer. The opening match of the competition played at Morumbi's Stadium in Sao Paulo saw Brazil win 3-0 against Bolivia and take the lead in Group A after Peru and Venezuela's game ended in a scoreless draw after two Peruvian goals were annulled by the referee after consulting the VAR system. Group B also saw action this weekend in one of the most expected games of the competition competition between top contenders Argentina and Colombia, a game featuring both sides' top stars. In the end, the Cafeteros scored a couple of times in the second half of the match and took away the victory. In the group's other game, newcomer Qatar came back from a two-goal difference and tied their game with Paraguay earlier this Sunday, which closed with a 4-0 victory of Uruguay over Ecuador in Group C. Hi Toad Olympians, Olympic IRL aka Dan here to bring you updates from the world of cricket. We entered the third week of action at the ICC Men's Cricket World Cup. There was not much action in fact with as many as three games abandoned due to rain. South Africa versus the West Indies on Monday the 10th of June was the first match on this week's schedule. South Africa, who had lost all three of their opening group matches, were in desperate need of victory here. Their chances of qualifying for the semi-finals, however, were dealt a huge blow as their match with the West Indies was rained off. They managed 29 for the loss of two wickets before action was halted in the 8th over, and no result was declared and the teams took home a share of the spoils one point apiece. Another game to fall foul of adverse weather conditions was Bangladesh versus Sri Lanka on Tuesday the 11th of June. The match was called off without a single ball being bowled, and both teams took home at one point each. The first match of the week to deliver a full day's play was Australia v Pakistan on Wednesday the 12th of June. It was a victorious day for the Aussies, with David Warner's century helping them to post a healthy total of 307 all out. The Australians looked set to post an even more impressive total if it were not for a batting collapse towards the end of the innings which saw their final six wickets fall for a total of just 30 runs. This kept Pakistan in the tie, however they could only manage 266 in reply before being bowled out, meaning Australia took home victory by 41 runs and with it two valuable points in the World Cup group. To add to an already frustrating week for organisers and fans, the match between India and New Zealand on Thursday the 13th of June was also abandoned due to, you guessed it, more rain. Not a single ball was played and it means a no result was declared, with both teams remaining undefeated in the tournament. Friday the 14th of June saw host nation England take a huge step towards qualification for the semi-finals, as they hammered the West Indies by 8 wickets. 
West Indies were first into bat and were dismissed after 44.4 overs, having posted a non-too daunting total of 212. England needed just 33 overs to chase down the total, conceding the loss of just two wickets on their way to victory. Their third win in four matches and a World Cup century from Joe Root capped off an impressive display by the hosts. There were two World Cup matches on Saturday the 15th of June, with the first match pitting the defending champions Australia against the 1996 champions Sri Lanka. A 153-run contribution from Aaron Fitch set Australia up for an impressive run total of 334 for their 50 overs. In reply, Sri Lanka raced out to 87 after 10 overs without losing a single wicket, and hopes remained bright that it could pull off an unlikely victory. However, Aussie bowler Mitchell Stark was once again in fine form, taking important wickets to take the wind out of the sails of the Sri Lankan innings. Sri Lanka were 2-4-7 all out in the 45th over to give Australia an 87-run victory. Australia moved to the top of the World Cup table and remained firmly on course for the semi-finals. The second match of the day was a one-sided affair as South Africa claimed a nine-wicket victory over tournament outsiders Afghanistan. The match was reduced to 48 overs as the rain again took its toll. Afghanistan were in to bat first and were routinely dismissed for 1-2-5 in just 34 overs. South Africa made light work of the run chase, reaching the revised total of 127 with 19.5 overs to spare. The victory breathes life into South Africa's World Cup campaign, having failed to win any of their first four World Cup matches. Now I will talk about Men's Softball World Championships, being hosted in the Czech Republic. This marks the first time the tournament takes place in Europe, and although there will be no team making its debut this year, the tournament welcomes back Cuba and Singapore after long absences. For people not familiar with this competition, its format sees 16 participating teams divided in two round-robin groups for the first round. After that, the top four in each group will advance to quarterfinals and then to semi-finals and medal matches, with placement games being played for the remaining positions. In the opening game, defending champions New Zealand defeated the hosts team 9 runs to 0. In the past two days, some games have been cut short from their regular 7 innings duration due to the mercy rule. However, other matches have been very close, like Japan's comeback against the Czech Republic in Group A. Likewise, three other games have gone into extra innings so far, including Venezuela's 1-0 victory against Denmark and the host team beating Mexico for runs to three. However, the later team provided a big shocker today, scoring three runs in the bottom half of the seventh inning of their duel against New Zealand and ending with the victory for runs to four for the North American side. Hi, here is Wojciech Nowakowski, aka Wojtas. I'll present the Road to Tokyo 2020 segment where I will sum up the Olympic qualifications from the last week. Den Bosch in the Netherlands was the host of this year's World Archery Championships. The event gave a chance to qualify for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics for 8 teams and 4 individuals in both men's and women's recurve. 
the women's team gold went surprisingly to the team of Chinese Taipei, who beat the team of South Korea in the final. The podium was completed by the best non-Asian team of Great Britain, winning the bronze medal match against China. The other quarter-finalists, and thus Olympic quota winners, are Ukraine, Russia, Germany and Belarus. The men's event was won by China, who defeated India in the final game. Bronze was taken by Koreans after beating the hosts. Except the Netherlands, the only European nation to qualify a team to the Olympics was Great Britain, and the other quotas went to Australia, Kazakhstan and Chinese Taipei. The individual events gave the opportunity for four more individuals to secure a place for the Tokyo Olympics. In the men's event, they were all given to the best athletes of the event, as none of the top eight team members qualified to the semi-final. This way, the individual quotas were secured by the USA, as Brady Ellison took the gold medal, Malaysia, as the silver went to Khairul Anwar Mohammad, Bangladesh, as Mde Roman Shana took the bronze, and Italy, as Marion Espoli finished fourth. Among women, only one of the quarter-finalists had an opportunity to ensure the quota to her country. It was Alexandra Mircea from Moldova. The additional Olympic qualification tournament was held for three remaining spots with four athletes participating Alejandra Valencia from Mexico, Audrey Addition from France, Maya Jäger from Denmark and Christine Berendal from Sweden. The only country to miss the Tokyo 2020 quota was France. The only Olympic event that didn't give any quotas was the mixed team event. The gold was taken by Korea ahead of the Netherlands and Italy. Among the five non-Olympic compound events, the only country to win two gold medals was Korea, who won in men's and mixed team events. The women team event finished with the triumph of Chinese Taipei, while individual golds went to James Lutz from the USA and Natalia Avdieva from Russia. The World Rugby Women's Seven Series came to the conclusion in Paris. The series that offered four quotas for Tokyo 2020 Olympics was dominated by the team of New Zealand, who won four out of six events. The second place was taken by the last tournament's winner, USA, that finished only one event behind the podium. Canada, the last team that won a single tournament, finished in third place, while Australia took the last Olympic quota available. Last weekend brought us a result of two fixed series finals events. Bhubaneswar in India was the host of the male competition, where the home crowd was cheering for the main contender to the Olympic qualification event spot. The team of India didn't upset the public and won all the games, including the semi-final against Japan, who as the host of Olympics couldn't win the qualification event spot. The fight for the second berth was held between the USA and South Africa until the last minute of the game, as Nicholas Spooner scored a goal giving the South Africans a 2-1 win that secured them an Olympic qualification event spot. In Benbridge, Ireland, also the host secured the place for the Olympic playoffs after dominating the group phase and winning 4-0 in the semi-final against the Czech Republic. The other key match was held between two Asian nations, South Korea and Malaysia, with the Koreans winning 3-0 and taking the spot in the final round of the Olympic qualifications. The tournament was won by the Koreans with 3-1 against hosts in the final. The second women's tournament has already started in Hiroshima, with last one starting on Wednesday in Valencia. The last remaining male tournament of fixed series finals is on since Saturday in Letuke.
This weekend saw the world's best skateboarders put their wheels on the concrete in Long Beach, California. The event saw all four Olympic events contested. It also served as a rare qualification event, offering up crucial qualification points. The first final of the event was in the women's street contest. The ever-dangerous Brazilian duo of Pamela Rosa and Letizia Buffoni went 1-2 in the contest, with Rosa taking victory. Third place in the event was Holland's finest, Candy Jacobs. The Netherlands' only real chance in the Olympic skateboarding did not disappoint by securing that third place. The women's park event was up next. The hosts now have a reason to be excited about the inclusion of the event at the Olympics, since Misugu Okamoto took victory in the event. She was followed in second by Lizzie Armanto and in third by her fellow countrywoman, Kokona Hiraki. The, me- the first men's event of the day was the men's street contest. It saw a surprising victory for France thanks to Aurelien Giraud. Second in the event went to Shora Shirai, and third went to Felipe Gustavo of Brazil. The last event of the 2019 Tour was the men's skateboard park. The honor of first place went to Brazil's Pedro Barros, and second place went to Corey Juno of the United States, and third place went to Keegan Palmer of the United States. The points earned at the 2019 Tour are critical since it is one of it is only one of five street qualification events this year in skateboarding, and one of four park qualification events this year in skateboarding. Last week was full of high-level track and field competitions. It all started at the Pavo Nurmi Games in Turku on Tuesday with nine new meeting records, including the one by Anita Vodarczyk in women's hammer throw included to the IAAF hammer throw challenge. Her win was repeated the next day during the Irena Shevinska Memorial by her male compatriot Wojciech Nowitzki, who exceeded the 80 meters, gaining the world lead and the Olympic qualification standard, joining another pole, Pavel Fajdek, who was second this time, also with the result above 80 meters. These two have dominated the hammer throw challenge after the Rio Olympics. All 11 competitions held since then, featuring at least one pole, were won by either Nowitzki or Fajdek. The series continued on Sunday during Janusz Kusociński Memorial in Chorzów, as Fajdek took the world lead with 80,87 meters. Many great results were achieved during the Diamond League meeting in Oslo. The capital of Norway saw a few world leads, including Christian Kolmans in 100m, Marcin Lewandowski in a prestigious one-mile run, with the Polish national record beaten for the first time since 1976, and Maria Lasitskiena in high jump, who became the first woman to jump above 2 meters this year, and who beated that result on Sunday in Hozhov with 2 meters 2 centimeters. All these results were however in the shadow of the Norwegian public's favorite Karsten Warholm, who won the 400m hurdles run with the new European record of 47,33 seconds. Another great results were achieved at the Sunday Diamond League meeting in Rabat. Genzebedi Baba took the world lead in 1,500m after an arm-to-arm battle against Stefan Hassan. The world lead, being also his new personal best, was also achieved by Getnet Valle in 3000 meters steeplechase. The 110-meter Haldus run had a dramatic finish as Omar McLeod stumbled and interrupted the run of Sergei Shubenkov, who was heading for a world lead. Despite the fall, the Russian won the race with the meeting record of 13,12 seconds. 
Also, women's pole vault and both discus throw events finished with the best result in the history of rabat meeting. Sandy Morris jumped 4 meters 82 centimeters, while Daniel Stoll achieved the result of 69,94 meters, and Jaim Perez threw the 68,28 meters. After the record of my part of the podcast, I got an information that one of the failed attempts of Frederick Dacker in men's discus throw in Rabat has been protested, measured and officially recognized after the competition. The Jamaican has won, achieving the result of 70,78 meters, which is not only the meeting record and the world lead, but also a new record of Jamaica and the best result in the history of Diamond League. The Olympic venue of Lee Valley Whitewater Center hosted the first stage of this year's Canoe Slalom World Cup. The star of the competition was Mallory Franklin from Great Britain, who improved her result from the European Championships with winning both single kayaks and canoe events. In kayak, she finished ahead of Ricarda Funk from Germany and Jessica Fox from Australia. Fox was also third in canoe, as she lost not only to Franklin, but also another Brit, Kimberly Woods. Britons won also two medals in men's canoe, however Adam Burgess and Ryan Westley lost to Sideri Stasiadis from Germany. However, the home crowd left the venue happy as their representative, Joseph Clark, won the kayak event with Czech Rizzi Pirskavets in second and German Hannes Eigner in third. Hello, I'm back to deliver an equestrian update that was brought to me by a Total Olympics user DCRO. New Zealand's Olympic and current eventing world number one, Tim Price, was victorious at the Lumenlen Horse Trials in Germany. Aboard the 11-year-old mare, Ascana M, Price was sitting in second place after the dressage on a 25.8. Later on, he added 2.0 time penalties in the cross-country and 3.6 time penalties in the stadium jumping for a total of 31.4 penalties, which was enough to secure his third fifth-star title. This victory holds a special significance for the Price family, as Tim defended the title that was won last year by his wife, Janelle. Remaining podium places were filled by Tom McEwen on Figaro Van Het Broxhoff and Alexander Bragg on Zagreb, both representing Great Britain. The Lumenland Horse Trials are one of six yearly five-star eventing competitions. The next five-star competition will be held in Burley during the first week of September. The second equestrian event of the week saw the Polish town of Sapat host the third leg of the FIE's Jumping Nations Cup. It was the Dutch team that got off to a great start, with the first three of their team members jumping clear. However, they couldn't keep that up and eventually placed fifth. The winning side was decided in a jump-off, after both Belgium and Ireland finished the two rounds on four penalties each. The jump-off proved to be no contest, however, as Ireland's Paul O'Shea had the first fence down. Pieter de Vos, steady, clear, abroad, apart, was then more than enough to secure a Belgian victory. And you can tell I don't know what equestrian is because I can never read that properly. Finally, the next stage of the Nations Cup will be held in Gesturland next week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you wish to hear more, please check the Toy Olympics form under the Other Websites tab and look for Toy Olympics Weekly Update. I would also still like to remind you of our weekly of our daily coverage, excuse me, coming up of the 2019 European Games that start later this week. I would also like to announce that we will be exploring new routes for this podcast and so it should get more interesting, so please keep listening.